Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, wherever you are in the world. I'm Russell Tovey. And I'm Robert Diamond. And this is Talk Art. Welcome to Talk Art. How are you, Rob? I'm really happy. You look amazing in that sweatshirt. That's like multicoloured, you've got diagonal situations, geometric abstractions, shoulder pieces. Well, I had to make an effort. Why? Because today's guest is someone that is just so visually inspiring that yeah. I have to, like, put something on. I've even got, like... You know, an ex-boyfriend of mine hated this top so much. He thought he thought it was, like, shoulder pads. And we went to a... Um, I'm going to shame him right now. Go on. We went to... Shoulder pad shame him. The only time he ever actually introduced me to any of his friends was some mate of his got um, got married. And we went to the I went to the party afterwards. And I was, like, you know, I sort of turned up at, like, 8pm after they were already drunk and had the whole wedding and everything. And um, I turned up wearing this. And he, he took me to one side and was like... Like, what are you wearing? You have got shoulder pads on. <laughs> and I, and I was literally like, uh, these aren't shoulder pads. They're pieces of fabric that are flat, like sewed on in the, the shoulder area. In the shoulder area. And he was like, you're embarrassing me. Oh, and that, that, was, that was when I knew it was the end of that relationship. He didn't get fashion, did he? He was just horrible. And now everyone knows how horrible you were. So our so, guest is yeah. someone who is uh, has been a stylist to the good and the great and knows everything about what it is to wear clothes. Well, yeah, but you know what? She's so much more than that. And that's why she's such an incredible human being that has literally inspired me for many years now. And I would say in my life, there are probably five people that have made a huge impact on me. And she is one of those people. Am I one of those people? You are, actually. Oh, great. So but I'm sat with two people who are in my top five ever. Oh, my God. Um... And considering my mum is one of those five, and my dad, is she here as well that's pretty high up, guys. <laughs> so lucky you. Right. So she's been described as a creative shapeshifter. She's a kind of cultural commentator, a poet, but primarily a multidisciplinary artist, and um, now also a curator. And we will be um, inviting her back because she's actually going to be curating a show in Margate at our space, which will open in September. Carl Friedman. Yeah, at Carl Gallery. Friedman Gallery. But we're not going to discuss that today um, because we have other things to discuss. And there's this amazing little comment from 10 magazine recently where a collaborator of hers the photographer Jez Tozer summed it all up and I'm just going to read this quickly Zoe provides an extraordinary portal from the banality of the obvious material world into a magical mystical one she is one of life's conduits for learning and discovery and I just thought that summed her up so much amazing so we would like to welcome to talk art Zoe Badeau. Hiya, Zoe. Hey, guys. So Hi. glad to be here. Very nice. <laughs> what do you think of that introduction? Yeah, um, yeah it's good. Nice springboard. What do you think of Rob's top? 
Yeah, I'm loving it. <laughs> I, I love it. You know what? I love anything that has diamonds in it because I'm obsessed by Harlequins. So, you are? Yeah, so that for me is a very kind of quite, yeah, that's quite... Um, How does a diamond relate to a Harlequin? That's, that... Well, the, the suit that the Harlequin wears is, is diamonds. It's all diamonds. Oh, yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? I call them diamond gods. They're keepers of the universe for me, the Harlequins. I have them in all my spaces, everywhere in my house. In every room, there's a Harlequin. Where do the Harlequins come from? The Harlequins, they're keepers of the invisible realm. They don't really come from anywhere. They're just, you know, they're self-manifested. But when did they appear in, like, art? In art? Well, they kind of appeared in art. Well, really, Picasso was the one, from my knowledge, that really sort of promoted the Harlequin. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. In the early sort of... 20th century, early 1900s, he started um, depicting them in paintings. Um, right up to 1918, he was doing them when he was in the more cubist, he did sort of cubist, cubistic period. Yeah. period. He did um, more kind of abstractions of the of the Harlequin, but the early ones, in the Harlequin with glass, or the two acrobats, they're more sort of direct depictions of the Harlequin. But I love them. I'm I'm asleep. Where would saying? he have seen them? Are they in circuses? Well they're in circuses. Circuses. And the the Harlequin in the very you know in, in Italy clowning. Clowning it's or? a car it's a clown. It's a particular one with the diamonds. Yeah. In Italy, very big the Harlequin and in France. When I was a kid I was obsessed with puppets of um like Piero. Oh, you know the Piero, yeah, yeah, the white, kind of sad, with the, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bit everything. sad that one. Yeah, but I, I really was oh, drawn to it. Sort of teardrop. Yeah, yeah, it was oh, yeah. me crying. I've always <laughs> been, I've always been a bit of a drama queen. Yeah, ever since yeah, I was like four have. years old. Yeah, 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 yeah. When I used to do, I ballet. find the, the Harlequin's a bit more upbeat. Yeah, but yeah. also there's an amazing painting. <laughs> Russell and I came for dinner at your house yeah. not long yeah. ago, and there's an amazing painting in your kitchen of a Harlequin, which is part of your incredible collection of objects and art. Yeah, yeah, I've got them everywhere. The Harlequin. Who painted that one? Can you remember? I love that. Wasn't it a female painter? Oh, yes, you know what's so funny? That's a friend of mine, Sophie, who did that. And it's not actually a Harlequin, but it, I, I bought it because it's very Harlequin-esque. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like she's got a mask face and then the, the, the body of the, the yeah. top torso bit looks... She's just kind of put that in. It's Yeah, that's why I bought that. I love it. It's yeah. really great. So actually, let's start there. Because when we came to your house, mm. I mean, I've been there many times recently, but um, you have an incredible collection of all kinds of objects mm. and art. You've got mm. beautiful mm. paintings and um, and also like collages over the wall where you've got like everything from images of like Grace Jones to like early, I don't know, fashion shoots and all kinds of things. Like Yeah, the color, the montage is just like things that I rip out. I always like to have a um, a nice kind of thing, what people call mood boards. Yeah. But I mean, I, I just call it, it's just like a collage. It's just like a backdrop of my life, really, in a way. Just things that I've seen. It can be an Irving Penn, you know, picture of food. It can be anything, just, just to catch my... I just cut out little bits. I'm always ripping bits out of magazines. Yeah. I used to collect magazines I don't know anymore. But, I mean, I've just got hordes of them and I just rip pages out and I stick them up and just, you know... And, and it, just it's just inspiring. Have you always had that kind of urge to collect things? Yeah, since I was a kid, I first the first thing I ever collected was stones. Really? Yeah, I semi precious stones or uh, any semi precious and any kinds of stones. I was the first stones I was really attracted to were agate and agate. My aunt had an agate ring, and I was obsessed with it because the agate was still growing in the ring, and I became obsessed by crystals and stones. I was really young, and uh, my mum got me an agate ring. I think for my seventh birthday or something, and I collected stones. I lived in the countryside, and where I lived was. Um, 
sort of an old, you know, Roman sort of area in Hertfordshire. Mm. And there was like pudding stones. I was always digging in the garden. I wanted to be an archaeologist. And I am a kind of archaeologist because I'm always digging. I'm very sort of like the predator hunting, looking for something in whatever it is. I'm, you know, I'm kind of obsessed with the hunt and the excavation of something. Do you know what I mean? That's why I'm really enjoying the curating because it's really great sort of delving in and finding, especially when you're looking at something very specific as what I'm looking for materially for that exhibition that I'm doing for you guys. Um, it's just very interesting of just finding people that you don't know about and yeah. just uncovering treasure. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah, yeah, what's yeah. really But there's always a knock-on effect when you find one artist you think you know and then you see their references or their inspirations and you're like, I didn't even know about this person. Oh, yeah, no, no, it just opens up a whole up. world. You know, the, the estuaries are endless. Do you know what I mean? You just yeah. keep going off into different worlds and, and that's, that's what's really great about that. Do you know what I mean? Who's your go-to then, artist-wise, like... Who you look at? You said Picasso just now. You said Irving Penn as the photography wise. But I mean, for you, like to find ideas for your creations. No, I don't really have a go-to artist because I'm not really looking at artists in that way. Do you know what I mean? Art, the art to me is the end point. I'm looking at more things. You know, I'm looking at nature. Do you know what I mean? That's mm. the, the greatest artistry for me. So that's my starting point. I'm looking from that. And then from there, from when I'm looking at culturally, I look at indigenous cultures. I've always had that as a kind of, wherever I go in the world, I always go to where the indigenous people are. I'm always very much interested in the kind of archaic, you know, when you look, and when even when I look at art, and you think about modern art even, you know, mm-hmm. what was the turning point of modern art? For Picasso, it was looking at those African masks without him seeing those masks or those masks being available yeah. to artists in the Eurocentric world. It would not have developed, you know, Cubism would not have been what it is. To, we, we would never have had those movements, do you know what I mean? And for me, it's important to recognise the etymology, where things have come from, what has been the point of inspiration, do you know what I mean? And so for me, the archaic, the archaic world, you know, Africa particularly is very close to my heart in the sense when I look at these these things out there, the masks, just the work, the embroidery, you know, the just all the, the handwork that comes out of there. It's just it's so archaic, but at the same time it's so sublime and totally modern. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Totally. These these pieces just transcend time. Mm. You take them out of any place and you're just thinking, wow, when mm. was that made? Do you know what I mean? It's just beyond. Yeah, right. And that's that for me is this, is the, is the inspiration. That's where it comes from, and then you see the kind of ripple effects of how it's inspired things on a greater scale. That and also, you know, what's interesting is that people don't normally hark back to the original because they don't know. Do you know what I mean? They don't yeah. know where it's come from, yeah, so yeah, they yeah. just take what is seen, especially as we're in the centre of the world, where you know everything in the West is seen as the original form. No yeah. one goes into the archival history of stuff unless yeah. it's been brought to them do you know what I mean so I think that's important and that's I think what really great curating is about you know you can do it you can curate something and you can have lots of artists but I think it's also interesting within that curate the curation to actually reveal sources where you know you can have a group show say and you've got loads of different artists and you might have an artist in there that isn't known. Mm. Yeah. But when you go to see that show, you'll see the thread that that unknown artist has influenced the ones that are known mm. and actually have got greater recognition for that work. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what's important to me. Mm. Yeah. That people can say, oh, wow, this one was doing that then and then this is yeah, yeah, like, yeah. done only like five years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Surely there must be some cross because this and work is so original. Mm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Someone must have had to have, yeah. you know what I mean? And that's what's interesting to me. Do you think that's the quite sad then that unknown artist didn't get the 
plaudits that the person that's kind of slightly ripped No, because I think in the show, within that show, is where that person gets that. Celebration. Yeah, exactly. And I think that should be celebrated, that that person gets that kind of recognition. Yeah. You know, and, you know, and it depends on the artist as well. Not everyone's actually creating art for recognition. And that's where we have to really sort of differentiate artistic practices because, you know, in the, Jap- in the Japanese Edo period, there was a group of philosophers and it was about to doing. It wasn't about what you got from doing. Exactly. You just did it. You know, I create because that is what I'm here to do. Whether you recognise it or not is irrelevant to me because when you're autonomous in your being and what you're doing, it's not about other people. You can't validate what I'm doing. I validate what I'm doing. Do you know what I mean? So if you then, you know, enjoy it, appreciate it, respect the work, understand it, that's a bonus. Mm. Do you know what I mean? That mm. is a bonus. But when people are doing something for the recognition, it more, the work becomes irrelevant almost because mm. it's not about the work. It's about what do I get from the work? Do you know what I mean? What yeah. does that work bring to me? And you see it so much now. It's just like, hello, what's this, what is this really about? Yeah. You know, so when you see artists and they're just creating, you can really see when people are just in their practice and mm. it's like, you know what? I do this because this is what I'm here to do. I don't know about doing it. I can't do anything else, you know? Right. People have been making art for years without, yeah, without so, a commercial market. Yeah, exactly. And then if they get recognised, it's like, great. But, you know, do they recognise themselves? Mm. That's the important question. Mm. Do you recognise yourself? Mm. Because people who recognise themselves recognise others. And I find that people who are looking for the, the applause rarely applause others mm. because they're looking for it. They're, 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 do you know what I mean? It's not yeah. a genuine exchange, you know? When you go out there... I want to applaud people. I want to applaud things that I think are great. If I see someone on the street and they look really great and they, they're inspiring, I go up to them and, you know, you make someone's day. Oh. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Can, yeah. For me, there's day make. you know, you can make someone's day and you can break someone's day. You yeah. know what I mean? By, you know, just being whatever. You know, you know those people, they break the day. They're just like, it's just unnecessary. Do you know what I mean? You're just like, really? <laughs> you know, and you can make someone's day and just be like, you know, I, I see little old ladies and they look fabulous. I'm just like a pink scarf or just a touch of something. You just think, oh my God. God, you look fabulous. You're mm. so uplifting. This is mm. great. You're 85 and you're still, do you still know what I mean? You've still, still got it and you're it, still yeah. feeling vibrant. So you'll go up to and, them and be like... Oh, babe, I stop people all the time. That's so cool. I mean, I did a whole project with this woman in Brighton. I mean, she was amazing called Yvonne. She was like in her 70s. Yeah. This one was in high heels, <laughs> a bit of fur, red lipstick. And I used her, I shot her for ID magazine. She was amazing. I mean, she was so inspiring. Went to her house and just like, she was still like... In her mind, she was like 25. Love that. Do you know what I mean? Where did you she, see her? Where did you find her? I, fa- I first saw her in Brighton walking down the street, Gardner Street. I never forget it. And she had high heels on. They were t- the, sh- the shoes had fallen apart and they were taped up with um, gaffer tape, right? They were like patent leather with a bit of gaffer tape taped onto them. So oh my God, she wow. like had a fur coat on and this beautiful sequined hat. And I just went up to her. I was like, you look amazing. She's like, oh, hello, love. She's from the <laughs> East End. She grew up in pubs. She's fabulous. <laughs> And so I went to her house. I even got someone to come down and photograph her. I mean, she was she was coming onto the photographer. I mean, it was insane. She even, <laughs> she, no, no, no. She even tracked him down wow. and started to stalk him. Oh, wow. No, no, no. It all got a bit weird. But anyway, she was really kind of fabulous. I mean, I mean that was yeah. It was it was quite interesting. But she was really quite a, a buoyant uplifting character. Is she still around? Do you know? Or do I don't you know. Keep I, your mean, distance, did you? I mean, no, no, no. She was, I mean, that was, I mean, that's got to be 10 years ago and she mm. was, she must have been nearing 80. She might have been older. I mean, I don't know. I was thinking about it the other day thinking, I wonder if she's still alive. But the injunction's still going, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. 
mean, she was brilliant. She was top. Honestly, can we talk about this then quickly? So, in the late eighties, you sort of began working with a number of creative, incredible. Oh no, babe. I mean, I'm not that old. Late eighties. Okay, early nineties. Early nineties. Still at school. Early nineties. People keep going to me about the eighties. I'm like, babe. I was watching Dynasty in Dallas at home. And Grange Hill. I was not I on Grange any Hill. scene. Okay, so early nineties, <laughs> early nineties, <laughs> early nineties. You 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 worked with people like Judy Blame. Okay, let me tell you about what how this started. Yeah. I was at school. I was an art. I was you know I was an artist at school. I was, that was my thing. I was. Where did you, know, you go? And to you school? studied art, didn't you? Yeah, I studied art at Harrow. I went to school in the countryside in in um, Hertfordshire, and a friend of mine, Pat, brought a magazine in that her dad had given to her. It was a very strange shape magazine and it was a fashion magazine and it said ID on the cover. It's the mm. first time I'd ever seen this magazine and we opened it and I was terrified. I was like, oh my God, who are these people? <laughs> I mean, I remember being really terrified and it was really weird that her dad had given her this magazine. He was in the army. It's just a bit of an odd situation. I was look, looking at this and I was properly scared. I remember it. And uh, so we sort of closed it really quickly. <laughs> we were just like, it's like opening, do you know what I mean? Pandora's box, box yeah. yeah. And then we closed it and we were like, oh my God, where do these people live? And it was like, you know, we opened it again. It was like all clubs in London. It was all this kind of, you know, this underbelly of this counterculture that wasn't quite, hadn't quite reached Hartford, Hemel Hempstead. And, um, <laughs> it still has, it's still, it's still making its way there. It's yeah. still making its way there. And we were just like, and then from the, the kind of shock horror the curiosity built and then we started looking at other magazines and stuff. Do you know what I mean? It was like The Face, ID, mm. they were the two magazines that we were looking at. Mm. I was really taken with the work of Ray Petrie and decided to write to him. Wow. So I wrote to Ray Petrie. To who? Ray Petrie's Ray, Ray a Petrie. No, he was a, um, well, I don't even know what they were called, stylists at this point in oh, history. Okay, right. Image makers. And um, he was using models multiculturally, yeah, taking these guys, naming them all, and the photography was just so amazing, like nothing you'd seen, like beautiful portraits. The guys were amazing. A lot of the models were from this agency called Marco Rosala, I really remember that. It was a, like they had all the hot guys. Do you know what I mean? And these pictures were incredible. And I was like, oh, my God. I want to meet this man. I want to... Because it was about representation at the time as well. Do you know what I mean? It was like... He had just models like, you know, they looked like they were, you know, South American, black, wow. Indian. It was a real cross-the-board culture. And it was just amazing. He had girls in there too. But it was mainly about these boys. And it was called Buffalo, the movement. It was like a movement. Exactly. Nothing to do with the shoes. <laughs> Nothing to do with those horrendous platform boots. Spice no, girl yeah, shoes. Nothing exactly. to do with the Spice Girls. <laughs> no, no, nothing this to do with that. This is way before. That was way before. And way more pioneering, um, actually, in a, yeah, in a different way. But yeah, he... So that was... I wrote to him and the letter came back to me. Return to sender. He's oh, no longer at this address. He moved. Exactly. He was no longer at this address. So I was a bit sad and everything. And what could I do? So I got the letter back. And and then I came to London. I'd gone to Harrow. I was going to go to St. Martin. I thought I'd studied journalism. And then in the summer, I got this job. Um, I worked with actually Marisha Voronecker, uh, fashion PR. She mm. had, she was very like the one in Wasn't London. Wasn't she the one who did like PR for kind of like Margiela? And, like, she, well, she did Antwerp. all the, all, and the Antwerp Six. Yeah. She did all of those guys and she had a really I mean, that was great revolution. Right, Antwerp Six, go, yeah. who? Antwerp Six, okay, Dries who are they? Van Loten. 
And uh, Andy Meester. Bernard Wilhelm. No, Wilhelm oh, no, was, was a bit later. Yeah, Bernard was later. And um, what's his name? With the oh, made all the mad. You know, Baron. St- what's his name? Oh, yeah. Walter Birkenberg. Oh, no, Bickenberg. Dirk Bickenberg and Walter, the other one. Exactly him. And then who Marge- else? Martin Marjola. Was he in the Belgians? I thought I he don't was. Know if Raph he was. Simmons, was he part of that? No, 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 later. No, later. I can't remember if Marjola was in the six. I think he was a, a bit of a... Um, but is that a thing? Was, They're known as the Belgium six. They were there the was Belgian like... six. That's how they, they were... Oh, no, you're right. It was Marina Yee. Yeah, that's it, Marina Yee. And then exactly. Dirk Bickenberg. Yeah, exactly. Walter von Beerendorf. Yeah. Uh, Dirk van Sana. And de Moylemeester and Dries van Noten. Yeah, wow. exactly. they were the original six. Yeah, and yeah, then Martin, out of that, Martin you had Margiela and came, Bernard yeah, and, and like all of the other a, greats. Um, but yeah, so she had those guys and some English design and everything. And I was working with her as like a work experience. And she said, you know, Camilla Lauda was looking for a PA. So I went to have this interview with Camilla and uh, got the job, and I became her PA, which was quite hilarious because I had to like, you know, she sent me on a Pittman's typing course. Do you know what I mean? Wow, really? She doesn't remember. She goes, did I send you? I goes, yes, darling. Really? Like, literally, Pittman's typing course every Thursday. I still can't type. It was a fucking oh my God. disaster. Pittman's reminds me of my mum because she ran a PR business, and I remember them all talking about having to do Oh, Pittman's. my God, it was just How awful. How old was you at this point? At this point, I'm like post 19. Okay. Yeah, 19. I'm on this Pittman's course because I've got to do invoices as part of my job. And it's like, I just literally, I couldn't type and it was just a disaster. Anyway, but what was amazing was I went to work with Camilla. She looked after photographers. And the photographers that she was looking after uh, were people like Norman Watson, mm. uh, Mark LeBon, uh, Perry Ogden. And she had Judy Blame, stylist. Uh, and who else did she have? But what that was, a gateway into the world. So Mark LeBon worked with Ray Petrie. Right. Do you know what I mean? Uh. Norm Watson, all these guys. So it was it was everything that I was visualising in the magazine. All these people yeah. were then I was looking after. Wow. Do you know what I mean? So I was like just immersed in this world. So it was really crazy. And it was the last years of Ray's life. So I met him. Do you know what oh, I mean? Wow. Because he was, we, I did a shoot, we produced one of his last shoots, which was no, a, an no. advertising shoot for jockey underwear. That was hilarious. No way. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the first day of the shoot, I think they were stuck somewhere else and I was on the shoot and then, I mean, it was hilarious. The client, <laughs> there was no shoes. The client had to take off his shoes and use them for the job. I was calling Camilla going, I haven't got any shoes. The client's <laughs> lending his shoes. I mean, it was so Model crazy. Zone. It could yeah. never happen today. Me and Camilla often look back and just laugh our socks off so at how funny. crazy some of these shoots were but it was it was very free time it was very hilarious you know there seemed to be a, a lot of money within the industry floating around in that time there was a lot of money in the music industry which there isn't now yeah. not very much money in fashion which is, is there's a reversal and also there were a lot of musicians who sort of helped take the buffalo look didn't they yeah, exactly. into music Nana Cherry like Nana Cherry exactly. well, was affiliated to Ray through okay. Cameron McVeigh right and and um, Jamie Morgan because they worked with him doing you know, the photographers and stuff yeah so that's where that came from and so yeah so I was just then immersed in the world so it was just quite ironic that I was terrified by that ID magazine yeah. and you know, it was like this kind of crazy circus and I actually joined that circus wow. do you know what I mean through kind of then delving into it and just like the curiosity grew and the stuff fascination came from your fear yeah exactly and then suddenly because we'd never seen things like that I mean people like dressed up I mean, you know, if you look at all the pictures from the 80s mm. and stuff the way people were dressed we were just like who are these yeah, people yeah. where are they getting these outfits from <laughs> yeah. do you know what I mean it was just so well, amazing there was no rules there was suddenly. no rules yeah. and it was that kind of thing you know 
you know, necessity being the mother of all creation, that, you know, you you don't have anything, you know, it was you know, these people that are just making stuff out of nothing. And that was what was amazing. And then I worked with Camilla as her, you know, like, I'm not an admin. You know, I was an artist, an art student. Yeah. And so then I went and worked with Judy. And then we went off and we were travelling all over doing shoots and whatever. But I was, you know, he was an artist, do you know what I mean? And yeah. that's why I was interested in his work because of where he was coming from. It was never, I mean, that word stylist, I don't even know when it came into being a real thing. I do remember, do you remember the, the, the comedy, that comedy club that used to be, that those that set of five with Rick Mail, they had this amazing... Comic oh, Strip yeah. Presents. Comic Strip. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's a brilliant episode of the Comic Strip where there is a stylist in one of the comic strips with UB40 in it. And it's... Oh, it's called... It's the one where they get swapped. A skinhead gets swapped with sort of a new ager. It's genius. Wow. So this new ager becomes the skinhead and the skinhead becomes all new age. And it's... Oh, my God, we've got to find out what this one's got. Yeah, yeah, we'll it's find it. really amazing. And there's a star, there's a video being played. They're on a the video set for UB40. Um... A UB40 video is being shot and there's a stylist and I'm sure it's based on Judy because they didn't really exist then. I remember the outfit. I just remember that's Judy and the thing. And then there's this bit where the the sort of new age guy, I think he's the art director on the thing and, and he, because he's the skinhead, sort of NF. Yeah. He's now got that personality and he goes... Um, so the camera pans, he goes, and can you not land on Sooty? And he goes, I mean, the guy with the... <laughs> Do you understand? Because it was a black guy. Oh, my God. <laughs> so it was hilarious, this comic strip one. Amazing. And I can't... We've got to get what the name of it, because they should bring those back. They were so good. Anyway, so and I think in that they called... Well, I made this... one of them. They did bring it back. We did, did they? We did something called um, Red Top, which was about Rebecca Brooks, and I played Andy Coulson, and we did, like, a whole remake. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh. That was, like, two years ago. Yeah, that's two years ago, yeah. <laughs> so I think they actually <clears throat> used the term stylist in there for this personality. Right, I think right, that's, right. you know... But, you know, he was really an artist, and that was what was interesting, because, you know, he did... Like, you know, the early Massive Attack, he did all the, the album covers and stuff. He did Nena's mm. album covers. Mm. And so it was just really interesting being immersed in that world. But I was never really in the fashion business in the no. sense that I never had a book. Do you know what I mean? So people would say, can you send your book over? And I'd be like, I don't have one. And they'd be like, what do you mean you don't have one? I goes, well, I don't understand. The last job I did has got nothing to do with the next one. Yeah. So, you know, if you want me, let's just see. Let's have a conversation. We try it out and let's organically see if we can work together. And that's how I worked. Do you know what I mean? It was never, I just never really was enmeshed in that industry in that way. The formalities I, of what it yeah, was. Yeah, because I never came from that. And also, yeah. you know, the people I was working with, they were all just so kind of, they were so an- anarchic. Do you know what I mean? They were just like operating on the outskirts of all of that. Do you totally, know what I mean? yeah. Like Judy was like taking brands and chopping up their labels and mixing them up with yeah. stuff, you know, totally illegal things. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I, I, I did an interview where I said, you know, um, they were looking for Judy Blame. They wrote a letter to ID magazine saying to give his, you know, give her details to them. I think it was Moe or it was Louis Vuitton. And the hilarious thing is like, you know, Kim Jones goes to work at Louis Vuitton and Judy then went to work at Vuitton. Mm. Yeah. So just that turnaround so in, around, 20 ra- in 20 years. 20 years mm. The yeah, turnaround yeah, yeah. of them wanting to take him to court yeah. for reappropriating, you know. Thinking he was a she. Bastardising <laughs> yeah. their brand. Yeah. And then, you know, 20 years later, he's working for them. Yeah. And that's the, at the point where fashion did have money and it was all kind of, you know, luxury brands existed and everything. You know, it was just the whole landscape changed. It was whole shifted. Because, you know, if you think about it in shoots, 
we could use this, we could use anything, we'd turn up with whatever. And that was what was great, because you were creative, because you were looking and finding, you know, all the top magazines could get all the great stuff, but if you're doing independent, you always had to beg, borrow and steal mm. yeah. to get something, yeah, yeah, yeah. shooting for ID. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, now everyone lends, because it's, it's established as a magazine, but then, so you had to really sort of fight to get those pages and get that whatever look you wanted. Now it's the complete reverse. Unless you're using advertisers, they're dictating what goes on the pages. Yeah. You can't just turn up and say, oh, I found this down the road, I just want to put it in. They'll be like, oh, no, 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 you can't mix that with so-and-so, they don't want that in the picture. And so for me, when I was working and working with some, you know, working with Jürgen, my things were much more... This I was is Jürgen Teller. Yeah, yep. was curating. I would bring things that I would find and he didn't care. And because we were working in that vein, it was always like, I would always get a letter the day before shoot and it would always say, you know, and if you could try and get a bit of Armani or Prada in on this one, um, <laughs> but if you can't, don't worry, because I'd be like, well, I haven't got any of that, so I haven't ordered any of that in, I haven't called any of that in, it's not going to happen. My thing was always a bit about what I wanted. Do you know what I mean? I was never going to be dictated yeah. to buy clothes that I wouldn't, do you know what I mean? It was ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. But that was how the landscape had changed from when I started with these guys to then the present, which yeah. was just like the beginning of the end. And actually, I, mean? I feel like all the people that you have collaborated with, you know, we just mentioned Jürgen Teller, the, the uh, fashion, but also art photographer, like that, you, you, the people you've collaborated with often aren't defined by being fashion, that they're not fashion. Well, they're, 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 and they're actually creative artists, really. Yeah, within this. And that was that, that's the whole point. It's just about the vision outside. And the thing that, that I always liked I mean? about Jürgen's photography, actually, was the, the the way the pictures were. The, you know, if you see the shoots you did with Kate Moss or these different people, like, I've, I've looked at them over the last few days, but they're the images that always struck me by him. And they're often the ones that you, you styled or you, you know, helped create the visual language in. And it is an art form, that. I mean, it's... it's Zoe's just trying to get something out of her pocket. I forget the rustling. Oh my god, it reminds me of once. I mean, just to go right off piece, I was on the Jonathan Ross show. Oh my god, someone said, Oh, would you go on the Jonathan? I thought, Yeah, to go on a quiz show. Really? And they mic'd me up, and I forgot that I had this mic there. And every question I was getting wrong, I mean, they were asked something about the clangers. I'd never heard of the clangers. <laughs> they were on the question, it was like the clangers. And what you could win on this quiz show was a Morris Minor. I was really wanted the Morris Minor. I couldn't oh drive. But I'd learned to drive. And anyway, they asked this question. And I, I, I think I answered it and, and it wasn't right or something. But I then was just like talking to us going, oh, for fuck's sake. Blah, blah, blah. And <gasps> I went, oh, fuck. And it was, and it was, live. it was an OB. It was a, a live broadcast. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> it was really. It was, and you were like, I'm No, no, you could hear it. And everyone was, was like, it was like. Yeah. Well, just was. so you know, you're allowed to swear on this one. Because you can edit. We, no, we, no, we, oh. we keep oh. the swearing in. We just put oh, an explicit you... symbol on the episode. Oh, I see. I yeah, see. So yeah, Russell yeah. often just, you know, casually God, throws in I, an do, I do swear a lot. I mean, Jesus. Well, you're, it's you're a, sign, a sign of a really nice person if you swear, apparently. Do you think? Yeah. Is it? Chase a... intelligence. Fuck, really? <laughs> <laughs> you're very smart. <laughs> How long did you work with Jürgen Telefor or collaborate with him? Oh, uh, God. I mean, on and off over the years, do you know what I mean? It was like, you know, from my first shoot was with him for ID magazine when I was like, I don't know, 19, 20. Yeah. We did some great shoots. I mean, like my favourite, one of my favourite shoots was with um, Chris and McMenemy, um for 032C magazine. And that was a, a really great shoot. Because, you know, I, I wasn't styling at that point when I was sort of doing those last... She was the avant-garde model that really pushed... Yeah, well, she's got grey hair. And we went to shoot... I was obsessed with Carlo Molino. That's right. Yeah, and I really wanted to do a shoot at Carlo Molino. I kept on saying it, and he was, like, not really 
picking up on it. And then someone from 032C came to him and said, we want to do a thing on Carlo Menini. He goes, I've heard this name before. Speak to Zoe about it. And then the guy who ran the magazine came to me. I was like, yeah, I'm obsessed with Carlo Molino. I really want to do a shoot in this house. So we went to do a shoot in the house and the house is amazing. It was a, It's a house in Turin in um, Italy. And Carlo Molino basically had this secret life. Um, he was in, you know, he's an inventor. He he made lots of sort of machinery and stuff and he was a photographer, but secretly he took photographs in this apartment that no mm. one went to, none of his friends, mm. of women uh, dressed quite scantily. And after his death, these photographs were unearthed. Wow. Um, and the the pictures, the photos are amazing. They're really, really beautiful. Why did he keep them to himself? I it was just a kind of secret thing. Project. That he, yeah, yeah, that he had with this house and the house was beautiful, really amazingly decorated, very, very beautiful. And um I I heard about this and I saw the books and everything and I saw some of the prints. Someone I knew actually had some of his the Polaroids, because they're Polaroids. And so I went to visit this house and I just fell in love with it, and that's when I was like, We've got to do a shoot here. And no one had really shot there. And then someone had, but they'd all sort of copied what Molino had done in the house. Right. Do you know what I mean? I only saw those shoots afterwards, actually. It was all sort of girls with their legs crossed with, like, stockings on and stuff. Like recreating? Just recreating his kind of tableau. Do you know what I mean? And so we went there with Kirsten and... um, Oh, it's Kirsten and Kristen. There's two models. I'm sorry. Kristen McMenemy. And just did this shoot that was really... Like, nothing had been done there before, do you know what I mean? And it was very visceral. She was naked a lot in a lot of the shoot. It snowed halfway through the shoot as well. It was really While she was naked? Yeah, she was out on the terrace and she was wearing these boots and she just had this little sort of a zoot shawl on and then she came back in. And the the pictures are really amazing. That's one of my favourite shoots I've ever done, do you know what I mean? There was something really different about it and just because of the environment, the way... And nothing was planned, do you know what I mean? It was all... I got stuff, like, the day before I'd seen... Two days before I'd seen Pam Hogg's show and mm. everything in it was just like, oh my God, I want that for this show. And it wow. was perfect. Wow. And the pictures are just amazing. Do you know what I mean? They yeah. were really, yeah, I think it inspired a lot of people, the shoot. And they were, it wasn't It wasn't a fashion shoot. It was, they, they, all the photos just looked like beautiful vignettes. You know what I mean? They were just things with Where are they now? If someone wanted to see these, that, this uh, shoot, where that would you see shoot, it? That you'd have to go online, 032C, to look it up. It, um, it is online, that whole shoot. Yeah, because yeah, I, I looked it up not long ago. You can see that shoot online and then the, maybe the ICA, because they, they sold one of the prints from yeah, the yeah, really? Yeah. As a, when he had an exhibition there, they sold one of the prints. But that, for me, you know, when you collaborated with Jürgen, that, for me, is pretty much the pinnacle of his work, because I think there's something about the soul of, of, of your vision as well in those yeah. images. Well, that for me, and it also when he photographed you, like there's pictures of you taken by him. Yeah, and yeah. And because you, and I know you don't really like having your picture taken, no. being, you know, having spent time with you, um, but but I, the photos he took of you are just incredible. I mean, and also you are a style icon in many ways. And I know you might not be a mainstream style icon in the sense that everyone knows your name on the street. Like if you think of Kate Moss or Naomi Campbell or whoever, like they're, they're recognisable names. But if you ask anybody like who is the most stylish person in London, they always say Zoe Badoe, That you know what I mean? Like yeah. without doubt and I know that when we're all long gone you will be remembered you know for the way that you have you know dressed and uh, just, just your, your world, style yeah. you're like yeah. a timeless incredible human being but um, the photos he took of you are just like next level yeah no, there's, some, there's some yeah there's some interesting you yeah. and the roller skates and like oh yeah and the oh. banana and all that kind of all stuff of yeah, yeah. where's the yeah. banana 
Oh, I'm, did, I'm eating a Did he even shoot that Masoni? Was it, was it a Masoni? <laughs> oh, the Masoni? Was a Masoni I never saw those pictures. I did he shoot that? Yeah, he did. Yeah, because those photos, I mean, you just look absolutely... Do you have a website? No, darling. You don't do that. No, but I love that about you because you're just... I don't have yeah. a website. I mean, life is... I've got so much going on, babe. I've yeah, got yeah. time. Instagram, websites, so, all these things. Have you worked with any of the controversial photographers like... Testino, for example. Well, he photographed or... you once as a group, didn't he, with Tracy Oh, yeah, the one at the artists. National Portrait Gallery. National Portrait yeah. Gallery, yeah. He actually took a, yeah, a photo. Yeah. What but was it that? wasn't really you collaborating with him. That was no, more you, no. you just being documented. No, yeah. No. Not, that was not my kind of... I mean, it's not my genre. Do you know what I mean? The mm. photographers and stuff. I mean, you know, I, I worked with a few people and... and um, Yeah, it was, you know, mainly because of Jürgen because we went back so far with the sort of stuff that we'd done in the early days that I kind of, when I came back out doing stuff, you know, mm. he'd asked me, it was like I was just down in the country um, writing poetry, do you know what I mean? Mm. And then mm. he came down to shoot me for Self Service magazine with Jane Howe. And oh, we did wow. like a 30-page story on me. Wow. And that was how we came back together and then we started to work together again. It was like bizarre. They did, It was a massive story in Self Service that they then had giant size photos in Colette in wow. Colette in Paris, Paris yeah. of that shoot um, that was the roller skates that's where that's from yeah, yeah. So it's wow. me and the girls in the garden it's like I'd just come up from Jamaica Do you know what I mean? it was just it was a mad shoot and they did it for two days but that's how we kind of came back together and then I did some Marc Jacobs shoots with him and stuff like that Yeah. so yeah they were so, so iconic the Marc Jacobs that became yeah, I just such... did, I did just I did a few of those wow uh, I did a few of those I loved those yeah there's some yeah we Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. And more recently, you've actually collaborated with another... Um, kind of artist photographer Tim Walker and he yes. shot you for the Pirelli calendar last year he shot year. me for Pirelli I was the hooker smoking caterpillar it's yeah. such a great photo he's an amazing photographer and he's an amazing photographer he is an amazing photographer and he really is an artist I yeah, mean he's yeah, he's, he's come from the world of fashion you know it's a similar thing in a way to Jürgen in the sense that they you see his his work often in fashion magazines but in later this year there'll be um, a retrospective of his work at the V&A and that will include a shoot that you just did, did for him. that exhibition yeah, yeah exactly um, which was just in Italian Vogue it's called Chasing the Dragon oh it's so and good. it's it's uh, because the shoot is basically about uh, it's about um, objects that he's taken from the collection, the V&A collection, sort of curated and based a shoot around that piece. Yeah. And so with our that's a drug shoot, connotation, chasing a dragon. Yeah, isn't it? it's heroin. Yeah. So how does that relate to the V&A? Because collection? I tell you now, so okay. this box has dragons on it. It's like a little secret garden in it, and yeah. in the in the photo, in, when he sent me the picture, it was of 
a dragon in a garden. The dragon is almost like a to- like a dog. It's like a pet mm. in the garden. That's kind of how we, you know, I say, like, oh, I love the dragon. It's like a pet. It's in this secret garden. And so that was the starting point for the shoot. And Shona did this, Shona Heath did this amazing set, which was sort of iridescent and glowed in the dark. And we had two amazing models that were just fantastic. Amazing hair and makeup. You know, Malcolm... Um, Edwards did the hair and Is She Hungry did the makeup. Is She Hungry does all the kind of weird prosthetics for Bjork. Yeah. All those weird prosthetics. You've seen yeah, 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 yeah. Is She Hungry. And actually, and I think Tim made a video recently. With, oh, yeah, really? Yeah. yeah he's been yeah. collaborating with her. And the, the makeup, this guy, I mean, just phenomenal. Yeah. And the shoot was just next level. And we shot it for one magazine. It went to Italian Vogue. Yeah. Which is really was it's where it's should have been. It's home. Yeah, and now it's gonna go be in the V and And now because yeah. basically that's what, what the out the it's it these all these shoots that he's did were for the VNA, but they were done paid for through through fashion, magazines. Through magazines. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. They're very elaborate shoots, yeah. Lots and lots of And of I just think the photography and your you know, the way you styled that shoot is transparent. But again, you I know, mean, okay, like, let's talk about that shoot in the sense that you know, if you look at those that shoot, there are hot there are no credits. There are no credits. I mean, I was I was getting stuff in from, you know, some student who just finished at St. Martin's, flying his stuff, and he'd moved back to L.A., and he'd made these amazing bodysuits. So mainly everyone I used in there were students, and I was just like, you know yeah, what? Yeah, they were like unknown designers. This is what it's about, about for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to show people who are doing stuff that I think is really brilliant, really mm-hmm. creative. I look through tons of fashion shoots there was nothing I wanted to use at the end of the day even the thing there was something available it wasn't available I had to get something else if I had to have relied on stuff that was going to be sent to me we wouldn't have had a shoot I would have had like sort of mad puffer jackets. I mean, it was just crazy. And it seems and so mad to me that like fashion magazines now, they, they, they only want to have like a page for Prada, a page for Gucci, a page for whatever. When actually, surely the whole point of fashion is that it's meant to be new ideas and taking no, something no, no. from the past and One making it designer new. designer said, we don't even lend for shoots anymore, only special events. So that told me where it's now going, where they're not even interested in magazines anymore because mm. they're like kind of, you know... Going, becoming dinosaurs. It's all the about the celebrities on the, in the front yeah. row yeah. Yeah. at things. I was saying, what do you mean? For a, we're only lending for special events. What special <laughs> event? Do you know what I mean? It just, it just, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. But yeah, so that shoot for me, I was really, I love because we gave a platform to totally unknown and the stuff. Whenever I showed people the pictures of, they'd be like, "Where's that outfit from?" I was like, darling, it's like some kid who's just left school. Amazing stuff. So will like, they get credited at the VMA? Oh, they got, they, they'll get credited. For, they got credited in Italian Vogue. I know, but that's also great. It's like yeah. you know, that's by choosing good. those people, though, you took them to Italian Vogue. I mean, how brilliant! Jesus, it's great. It's fantastic. And if they yeah. continued these these. Well, I don't know because I don't really look at stuff outside of... I mean, I just found them for the shoot. And, I mean, I'm sure, you know, people now look at them, be looking at them for stuff because the stuff was just fantastic. So, you know, but once I do the shoot, I mean, I I don't look at clothes and fashion in that way. I'm just not interested. You know what I mean? I love clothes and I love style, but I don't have that kind of hungry energy to be checking on shows or... I'm just not interested. It doesn't doesn't interest me. But, you know, if someone's... that design I've had to do another shoot and I would then look back to that design and see what they're doing now do you know what I mean in context but yeah it it was it was really amazing and working with him was we had a laugh because he'd only shot me before we'd never because it's so funny having you behind the scenes he goes it's giving him lots of lols we just had a really good good time you know did he shoot you for like a long van advertising he shot me for a long van as well and wasn't it like you were like there oh and God, it, was it was like 15 year old models and then Zoe and she looked younger than they did I mean it's like you oh, looked so I beautiful I in that campaign I mean, it's you did you hilarious. looked stunning I was like in this a campaign. sort of whirling dervish I was there till 9 o'clock like spinning in like a cape with a hood I mean that was quite weird but um, yeah but yeah it was um, yeah so you've worked with him on both sides of the camera oh, it's but kind yeah, of cool exactly. so that was will the Pirelli um, images be in the show at the V&A 
No, not? no, that's just oh, about damn. the DNA collection. Because I really want to see those in real life. I think those those pictures of Naomi and P Diddy mm, and you mm. and like I don't know. I think he's, I think well, it's in the calendar. Whoopi yeah, yeah, Goldberg yeah. did it as well, didn't she? Yeah, Whoopi. I met her. Oh, she was fabulous. Oh, Whoopi. Yeah, great energy. Oh, I'd love just her to come great on Great vibration. Whoopi's like such just, an icon. She's fabulous. Oh. Really, really amazing. Oh, I love her. Great. So recently you've been making um, a lot of art. You've been doing text pieces, um, yeah. like screen prints, which I actually have one of for my yeah. house. It's beautiful. What? Um, yeah, I do. Russell's jealous now. Yes. You can get one. It's an edition. Okay. She's made this incredible text Stars edition. Are. Mm, it's really great. And you've also been writing a book, which we'll talk about in a minute. But... Um, you are going to be in Somerset House very soon. You're going to have yeah. a room of your work in a, a major new exhibition called Get Up, Stand Up Now. And it's a show that's responding to and kind of celebrating, in a way, the issues and ideas within the work of photographer and filmmaker um, Horace Ove. And the show's exploring how successive generations of black creatives have helped shape the cultural landscape of modern Britain and beyond. Um, so explain what, what you're going to be showing in that, in that show. So Zach Ove is Horace's son, yeah. uh, who's an artist. And he's curating artist. the show. Yeah, he's curating with Siri Hand um, and they're looking at Horace's archival work. I'm, so Zach's always really loved all my sort of made work, you know, all the soft sculptures and then yeah. he saw the film. And so that's what I've basically presented them with the film, which is From the Mouth of Babes, Speak I, yeah. which is um, a text piece and it's like a series of poems, uh, which I'm doing like different series of films. Um, on and um, so yeah so this piece will be in one room and then I think I'm showing also the the, the, the cape that I'm wearing and in the a mask yeah and the mask that isn't in the film that is also made but relates to the film did you make these as well yeah they're all made pieces by wow. me yeah so that's what I'm showing and then but you class that as a soft sculpture yeah it's a soft sculpture in the sense that it's um it's a wearable sculpture and it's sort of three dimensional because it has these other masks on it um it has these other faces on the sculpt on the thing, and then the 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 mask is a three dimensional um, piece, um, which is an embroidery piece. And then I'm going to also have some text within the show as well. Amazing. And actually, you you were part of Rob Pruitt, the American artist. He did a, a he does a flea market every so often, and there oh, was yeah, a I version of that at the Venice Biennale. Um, yeah. And you were you were one of the yeah, invited guests. I was doing, I was doing a soft sculpture there. Yeah, and you actually did it. It was almost like a performance of yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was doing a piece called "There's Something About Louise." So I had um, acquired um, Louise Nevelson, amazing um, mm. American artist. Sculpture, amazing, mm -hmm. and uh, I she. She's having a moment now. The last couple of years, people are starting to pay attention. Yeah, more. but she she had her moment when she was dirty. She, you know, the work was going for a lot of money, and she was doing big works for mm. big institutes and stuff. But she visually was arresting. I mean, she had an amazing look, and she wore like about I don't know ten sets of eyelashes mm. in one session. Mm. She had these amazing kind of eyelashes, <laughs> and so I bought her from her estate. I bought her collection of eyelashes. Uh, so, cool. so I got, uh, I don't know how many pairs of mink eyelashes. So I basically have made this jacket, which is reconfigured. So it then becomes a mink jacket. It's an old Victorian jacket that's covered in eyelashes. And you hand sewed all those they're eyelashes They're all hand put on. Yeah. Wow. Hand, but so during the Rob Pruitt's flea market, she I was, was actually I was there. actually making this piece. It's almost like a performance. Louis. So it was a performance yeah. itself. And people loved, they loved watching that. And they loved the fact that, you know, because when you look at it, it doesn't look like eyelashes. You can't. And it's kind of turned into another piece. Like I've got two names where it's called There's Something About Louise because they're Louise's eyelashes. Mm. But it's also Venus flytrap. It looks like a Venus flytrap mm. because the eyelashes open up. And this the way I've positioned them. It's, it creates this kind of really weird kind Organic -y of... organic Yeah, it looks like... like yeah. A, yeah, it's kind of got another life as well. But at the same time, this... 
original piece has been reconfigured and it becomes a mink jacket because the eyelashes are made of mink. They're wow. mink eyelashes, yeah. It's a beautiful thing. And it's kind of hard for me because like something like that, I don't even want to sell, you know what I mean? How I just... did you feel about making it and having people staring at you while you was working? It was fine because they were just talking. We could walk around me. It was nice. I was chatting away to people. Oh, it was really nice. Right? There was some really interesting people. I met a guy from Scotland who actually made some carpets. Louise Neville some carpets or something. It was, oh, wow. it was really interesting. Yeah, he'd, he'd done some um, some a tapestry and a carpet. He said, and it was just and I'd never know she did um, that kind of work. And so he was really interested and in, interesting to talk to. So yeah, that was good working. I mean, I'm quite a private person, and so for me to do that, it, it's quite good. I sometimes do things like that to just push myself out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. But I don't like when people talk about the performances. Like I like doing them for film, and that's a way that I. I mean, you probably understand this a lot, you know, when you do something from stage or, you know, if you're doing a movie, mm. it's very different. I mean, when I'm doing a film or making a film myself, I can really be what I want to be in that sense of because I'm not self-conscious. When I'm having to perform in front of people, I find it, um, it's not even like I'm nervous even, I just find that I can't... You know, it's like, you know, the masked man tells the truth. You know what I mean? Behind the mask, I feel like I can totally let everything go. And people, you know, like these kids came up to me recently. I did a performance two weeks ago and it was really interesting. They were like seven and nine and I was completely veiled. And they were just so taken with this image. And they said to me, why can't we see you? And I just said, you know what? For me, because people really tap into and respond to the way I look, which is not a great part of my personality as who I am in a sense, but it is for them from an objective point of view. When people visually see me, they tap into that visual. Do you know what I'm saying? And so when I do a performance, which is rare, I don't want someone to tap into that visual. Mm -hmm. I want to dissolve the body. I want to dissolve Zoe because my text is about bridging realms and taking you to another place so if that's what it's about and you are to receive that you're not going to receive that looking at zoe beddo because zoe beddo is a distraction because you're like oh i like that oh i like her oh i have all the jewelry or whatever it's not about that I yeah 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 yeah, yeah 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 do you know what i mean i'm i'm and that's why it's like you know heard but not seen and this performance and powerful to me do you know what I mean yeah that you get to hear me but you don't get to see me but you do get to see me because you are actually getting the quintessence of actually who your I soul am. your the soul is real me yeah. without all the other stuff that yeah. you think is like oh isn't it fabulous it's like yeah. who gives a fuck and this per- I mean. this performance you're talking about where the kids came and spoke to you afterwards and was in amazing. was in Marrakesh where you've been spending a lot of time recently exactly and, so and it was part of the art fair there yeah, wasn't the it? art fair there. yeah the Marrakesh and these kids art were like the first thing they said to me they said how they don't speak English but someone was translating one of the poems because at the end of it I say children of the stars you are the ones shine 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 and they came to me they said to the woman they were saying well how does she know we're the children of the stars how does she know how does she know and they came to me and they said how did you know she goes do you know our future I went no but you do and they were like oh wow oh they were amazing these kids mm. I'm going to do like a workshop with them to invite them to teach them some English and do a poem with them wow teach them to write a poem and like do a little workshop they were amazing because I what was amazing, I saw them the following evening. They came to a party and they walked in with their mother and I said, hey, how are you doing? And the mum said hi to me and they just went hi. And the mum went, she goes, the mum recognised my voice because she never saw me either. And she looked at me and she said, poésie, which is French for poet. Yeah. 
and they threw their arms around oh, oh my god wow. wow zoe i'm really emotional they were like oh my god they were like she's the when fluid. they just saw yeah. me they just <clears> said hi it was just another person then they realized who it was they were like oh my god that's gonna stay with them forever you oh know that they made it for me because it was a very difficult performance. I did it in art. I know. Well, we were talking. Nightmares. We were like, talking. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. And the thing I found so incredible about that, and what I really like about these, I've, I've seen a performance by you recently. I'm so happy you're doing them as well. But you so did hang one. On, you're doing this performance at Somerset House. I'm going to do a performance at Somerset yes, House. Yes. I will. Of Children from the of mouth. The stars. Of, yeah, that will be in it. From the mouth of Babe Speak High. So that's basically a body of work, which is so I say on autonomy, on on autonomy, on the quintessence of who we are on hypocrisy, on hegem- hegem- hegemony. You know, there are lots of poems on different things, yeah. on love, on... Yeah. Lo- you know when what is mean? this? When is the date of this? So that's going to be in June. Okay. So the film that they, they're they going to be showing is just like a one of the poems that they're going to be showing as a film. And then I'm going to do a performance. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Which is... I don't really like doing performances, but I'm doing more of them. And in the sense that, you know, I'm always veiled, you don't see me... But I, I kind of, and then I'll do a talk afterwards mm. with the, the, the thing. And with the veil on still in the talk, or will you take it? Well, I might do a talk later on in the show, because right. you know, it's on for two months. I might do a talk with a pa- with someone that I invite on the panel, mm. wow. which I'm thinking about who, yeah, but mm-hmm. I might do, yeah. Probably The first one that I actually saw, I mean, I've seen the video, obviously. I remember yeah. you making the video. Yeah, but, yeah, um, exactly. But, but the first one that I actually experienced myself was at Shoreditch Church in London very recently, like just in the summer. And um, yeah, was I was blown away people. by it, though. And it was people something like... so... That, that whole architecture of that building was so strange. But you were so veiled there. church. Yeah, I was veiled. And it was almost like you weren't on stage. It was I was kind behind of a lectern. Spiritual. Yeah, she was behind I a lectern. Was a, a lectern of, a, of an eagle, which was amazing. Yeah. I want a lectern. Anyone who's got an eagle lectern out there, I want one because yeah. it was amazing. Because because I'm veiled <laughs> and you couldn't see me. So what was really weird when people came in, it was dark. So because I was completely in black, and you're already there. And you I were was standing on stage there. when I we walked in. I was always meditating on stage, so you couldn't see me. And so people didn't know I was there. So when people's eyes adjusted, they realised there was a figure on the stage. Yeah. Oh yeah. God! And then all you saw was this eagle. I was behind the eagle, the lectern. And all you saw was these wings and the top of my head. And behind me, I was absolutely in line with the cross at the back. So it was very eerie. It was super eerie for people. They were kind of freaked out. I almost almost cried during that performance. It was so moving. I had a child. Yeah. Because when I started, he said I sounded like a child, and she, he thought, oh great, she's taken, she's taken to getting someone else yeah, performing. Yeah, because I couldn't see who it was. I suddenly thought, oh maybe Zoe's not even on stage. It was like stage. a seer moment. Yeah, I, yeah. I thought it was like somebody else, but actually, it was like Zoe was sort of possessed or something wow. by some other. And everyone energy comes up to me something. after going, God, it doesn't sound like him. What do you mean? What do I sound like? What do you mean it doesn't sound like? It me? was really unbelievable. Reciting my own poetry, do you know what I mean? And and you know, and people can't quite believe that I'm reciting with no words because I don't write the poetry. I channel stuff in from my head, so it's always in my head first, and then yeah. I record it. I don't write. It's only now that I'm starting to write those poems out. I, I've never sat down to write anything. Yeah, it either comes or it doesn't. I I can get a, you know. I can write something in my head and I'll get the first bit of it. Then later on in the bath, I'll get the end of it. So like for like Stars Are, for instance, I had the whole of Stars Are Black Bodies. And then by the end of the evening, I was in the bath and I just got, they, they radiate a light so bright, they blind those who choose not to see them. Do you know what I mean? It was just, it's just like, boom, it's like it's a like download. It's like channeling something. Just, yeah, amazing. Like you know, a download, so yeah. for me, when people say, but how can you remember it all? I was like, because it's mine. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I wrote it. It's in my, it's come, it's in my head, you know, so... It's quite interesting for people when they come and there's so much material and I'm just sort of, you know, it's almost like it's almost like trance, you know what I mean? 
I can liken it to kind of, you know, because it's there is a shamanic element in the sense yeah. that I, you know, I was meditating on stage and like, how can you stay on there? You know, I just go into another zone with. You're very spiritual anyway, aren't you? You're you you kind of you have access to that world. I would say. Yeah, I I I, I said you know I just wrote a poem recently for um in Marrakesh and it is um it's about because I work at night. And it's it's interesting because people say, "Because you're up all night, you're just like a night bird." I'm like, "Yeah, but I can't I can't work with interference." So for me, when everyone's gone to sleep, mm. it's the, the the coast is clear. Do you mm. know what I mean? And it's like you know, and it's like when the clock starts start, strikes twelve, and darkness reigns, my third eye opens. I straddle all planes. That's when I start to see, and it is that for me. You know, I feel that there's a clear. I have a clear vision. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I'm very much, then I'm, you know, I'm in Open. all realms. Yeah. You know, I can access, you know, you get that in the book, you know, I'm accessing realms. You yeah, know? so let's let's talk about the book. So so you've recently just completed a book and it's, um, how many pages is it? Like 48 or something? I don't know. It's 14,000 words. It's not quite a novella. It's like a novelette, I think you'd call something like that. Okay, yeah. And it's, it, it, when, you, when I read it, and Russell actually asked me this morning, because we both read it completely yesterday, and it's called In Search of the Dodo, Dodo Bird, Bird yeah. A Meditation on Love by Zoe Bedeau. And um, this book feels to me, like knowing you, um, like a total true story. And Russell actually questioned that this morning. He was like, is this a, is this a fictional story? Is it a true story? Because it reads like it's a true story. And I said, well, I think it's a true story. Yeah, it's because true it, it's story. so fantastical and so like uh, spiritual and um, on so many different levels, it, it's just a fascinating um, novella or whatever. But I can't wait for you to publish this because I think it's really going to move a lot mm. of people. It's a story about you travelling abroad to find sources, pieces for a vintage shop that you yeah, used to that have. Yeah, that you used to have. Yeah, yeah. Is that can I find these gloves? And then it's basically about this journey that I embark on through working with these gloves I worked on the gloves for a show in New York called Salon 94 that Duro Aloru curates, uh, curated and had done a couple of them and he asked me to put them into the he saw the gloves and asked them to me to put them in the show but mm. when I was working with the gloves I often sometimes when I'm working with things or a lot before I used to work a lot in this realm with psychometry is people giving me objects and I get information from the object so if someone gives me a ring, I read the information that's encoded in that object. Yeah. And that's what psychometry is. And um, when I started to work on the gloves, the gloves started to speak to me. And so this is the story about those gloves and that the, the journey of those gloves yeah. um, through me. So it's, 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 it's a very multi-layered story because it, it goes, it straddles many different timelines. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And... Um, there's a lot of information. When will this be published? I don't know. I've only just finished it, and I'm just trying to think about ways in which to uh, because it's it's there's a performative aspect about it, so that I could do readings and do it as like a little play. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Where, or I was thinking maybe doing a podcast. I mean, it has to be a book as well, where you know people have got you know the ephemera, they can physical. I must say that having read it yesterday, it's very alive. Yeah. I mean, the text is very. It's as if you are it's talking. Very performative. Yeah. You know, people I can say they hear, can hear you me talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, Everyone who's read funnily it. Funnily enough, like, like yeah. in the book, there is this whole thing where you are the only person that can open this this book that comes with the gloves when you You're bought the them at this auction. The yeah. You're yeah. the only yeah. person that can see the story. When other people opened the book, it wouldn't open. They can't. They can't. They couldn't open it, or they can't see anything. And I loved that, but actually, it felt like you were talking to me. I found it quite a connected experience being the yeah. reader. I think yeah. you so need to record it like an audio book. I, I think you should yeah. be the one reading it. And then as well. we link it from Talk Up. 
Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, great, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah it'd be great I, to be linked to something. I just... But I think it's I think people are going to want to read this story. It's yeah. fascinating. It's amazing. And I think what's really fascinating about the story is the story... But it is true. It's not fiction. No, no, it's not It's not fiction. And you, you can see the truth in the story. Well, that's what because I mean. It ending, feels so real. Because yeah. the story comes yes. to the Freeze Gallery. It goes to, to Freeze Masters Art Freeze Masters Art Fair yeah. four years ago, the Robin Brown. Wasn't I with you then? No, you weren't with me, but you... Was I, I on my booth? You on your booth. But didn't we have, like, lunch or something with one of your daughters? I swear we, we hung out that, yeah, yeah, that and then day. I went, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, yeah. Where was I? And I and I knew that I had to. <laughs> you were in America. There was oh, okay. something that had to be done, and you know, and this was, a, it was a, so. The Freeze Masters was the kind of the kind of encapsulates the story, and the, yeah. the story is there. It ends there, and it kind of that's when you kind of it all comes together when you're thinking, God, this is a, this is real. This is yeah. this happened. And, and I think for me, that's why it was so and, extra and freaky because I, I was actually in Freeze Masters with you that day. Yeah, <laughs> before exactly. I didn't and see it or witness it. But, because the story yeah. is so fantastical, I don't even want to talk too much about. No, 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 no. no you know, not even here, but just in general, when people say, "Is it true?" You know, it's like it's true. You have to take what because it's so fantastical. So when you have something that is fantastical, mm. there will always be a cognitive dissonance for you. As, as human beings where we question the truth you're just like is that how is that possible yeah, yeah. do you know what I mean it's like yeah. with anything you know yeah. anything that's kind of has a shock it's like what they started talking and it's like so to have the evidence of the photographs at the end that within the masters mm-hmm. had we not got those it would still be in that kind of realm of like oh right that never happened fantasy yeah, but, yeah. yeah but instead it roots it doesn't it in something it so in real something and a real. location and I think and that ending is just so great to have that where oh, it's just brilliant. kind of you know okay that was that and well, it's we quite, need to get that out it's there, quite emotional we? and also a it's a ending that doesn't end because it continues it's kind of continues it's got this open it's end, got an open end it's which an is open totally end. genius it's got and an i don't even end. know you know the uh, we won't describe what happens but the people who are involved in the future you know maybe exactly. still aren't even aware or will be discovering it when the book gets published exactly yeah. their, con- their connection and they'll be the next can i tell you something that happened to me on the way back from the Rob Pruitt, right? I'm on the flight coming back from Venice to London mm. and I'm sat next to Norman Rosenthal. No. And he curated the booth at Freeze Masters, which is exactly. involved in this in, story. In the story. And the story, and it, just so everyone remembers this booth, it was The Collector, exactly. which is which was a kind of Robin created Brown, environment. Robert by Robin Brown. Brown. Robin Brown. And sorry. I turn to him and I say... I've written a story and you're in it. And he said, oh, really? And we got chatting because we had a friend in common. We talked about the friend. And then when I, then he got off the, off the plane, he said to me, and what's your name again? I said, Zoe Betty. He goes, I'll be looking out for it. Yeah, yeah. So it's really funny. But even that, I'm sorry. That, that in itself. Even he to be appeared sat to you on the... Uh, exactly. After, that was after this, I did totally. When yeah. I told Shanti, who was with me when we did the thing, I was like, I sat, I was sat next to that guy who basically, she was like, you're joking. I goes, no, 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 he sat next to me on the thing. We talked about the book. She's like, this is too fucking weird. And, <laughs> and this like, is going to be really frustrating for everyone listening. I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you mean? How? But, why? But, uh? I, but I think take, having patience and, um, you know, taking time to do things is kind of what Zoe's taught. Have- no, but I'm just telling you something. <laughs> oh, okay. It's what Zoe's taught me. Oh. Like, yeah, through spending time with Zoe, I've learned about that. And this idea that, uh, you know, when I was making music and I was in my band, I always worried what people thought and all that kind of stuff. And what I love about Zoe is the fact that you've been so creative constantly for yourself. And like you say, you're your only judge and you're the only person that can validate you. We're, we're, and that we is the best... Be, we have to be the arbiters. Precisely. And that is what people need to remember and take from this. But I also think storytelling is such an amazing part of who you are. Mm. And I love coming to your house because you're an amazing chef as well. I mean, yeah, you cook for me. You're, you're yeah, kind of a creative person back, on, um, on many different levels. 
yourselves, but I love the fact that you invite people to your home, all different backgrounds, different mm. creative um, industries, all this kind of thing, for conversation. Mm. And I, every time I've left like your dinners, I feel inspired. Yeah, I and Baking, yeah. Breaking bread with people is, is exactly yeah, yeah, that, yeah. babe. Yeah. It's the ritual of, you know, and you really get to know when people say they know me. I know they've, they've eaten with me, they've been in my home. That's, you know, people, you know, they get to know you in the real way. Yeah. And so, and you know, that thing of time i always you know when people i've never had this thing i always think you know what's meant for you will never pass you by yes and you know when you think you've lost something nothing's ever lost because you can lose something and get something 10 times better and so for me you're always on time and it's so great i've had so many weird situations when i've had to go back for something and i think oh i was sent back to do that because now i then got this do you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. you know once my ex-boyfriend he held me back he didn't get on he was like pissing around i was like i need to get to town I need to get to town i got on the bus and the bus driver goes and congratulations, you are the 1,000th person to get on the bus today and you have won £1,000. I was like, what? what? He goes, you hold on to that ticket. And he goes, the, less, the person yesterday didn't claim. So, you you know, it's gone to 1,000 quid now. And I was like, going, what is going on? And he, he's going, there's a thing on the ticket. And I wrote, phoned up and I'd won £1,000. No. And had my boyfriend not pissed around that morning, I would have got on the bus earlier and I wouldn't have been the 1,000th person but I was meant to be 1,000 because there's a couple of things What did you do with that £1,000? There was a thing that I wanted to buy in this um, flea market which was this amazing old cabinet that I wanted to make an altar of which I've got in my bedroom and I bought that and that was quite expensive so that went towards that I actually had to share the share the thousand with this woman came forward from a couple of days before we split it 500 and I got a few bits and bobs you know little trinkets and you still got that altar can I just say something talking of lost and found when we came for dinner Russell brought something to your house so so I Rocky Rocky's food my dog's food is Lily's organic food and every pride they bring out a pride range and they sent me gay pride gay pride yeah Yeah. sorry and they sent me Cat food, but it was like it was a gay pride cat food. And cat. you were like, and I, I like, don't I have a cat. cat. And Rob was like, well, Zoe's got a cat. And I was like, oh great, I'm going for dinner at Zoe's. What an amazing gift, cat food. Like <laughs> pride cat food. Is there anything better by Lily's Organic? Turn up and I go, Zoe, this is for you, pride cat food. And you're like, I haven't seen the cat for two years. I don't know where the cat is. And <laughs> the I was cat's like, oh, Misty pain, has disappeared. Painful. Well done, Rob. I know, I've just reminded like, you of yeah. your lost cat. You're exactly. like, yeah, I'm, I'm mad about that cat. Mistopheles. Ca- I mean, Mistopheles. What happened, You kept though, the cat food in the, the cupboard. The cat came back. The, the cat, cat has been lost and found. Uh, it's, it's a crazy story because I I'm had him food. on this thing saying, you know, this company that finds your cat, they never found him quite clearly. And I told them recently, take him off the thing. He's now been found. And I was back from Marrakesh walking down the street one day and I just thought to myself, say Misty just walk back in again, you know. It'd be so weird. Two days later, Moon, my daughter, youngest daughter, is coming out of the tube. She walks at the bottom of my street. She calls me and she says, Misty is at the bottom of the street just hanging out on the pavement. I'm like, you're joking. She goes, come now. Come now with some cat food and <gasps> and bring some treats and everything. And so I was like, oh, my God, this is really... She, she goes, no, no, no. She goes, oh, my God. He goes, the car just went by. He's run behind some gates. I goes, okay, grab him. So I came down and we saw him. He was just sitting there looking through these little bars at Aww. us and stuff. And I shook the um, treats Aww. and had the cat food. And he came and I grabbed him. He was struggling all the way to home. We got home. And then he got home and he just relaxed. And he went to sleep for two days. Where had he been? What journey has he been been living? I don't know, but he's been living at the end of the street. Cats have been gone for two years. It's a long time. I've been living like literally there. He had the cat food. He loved the gay food. Did you give him the gay food? He loved the gay food. He loved the gay food. He loved the gay food. It was all meant to be. (laughs) 
It was a highlight of his he day. He polished off the GoPro cat food. <laughs> but, I mean, it's, it, it's just very, very bizarre because this cat came to us in a very bizarre way. Moon called me. I was on holiday and she said, I found this cat in the park. I went, no way, you're not bringing a cat from the park. Two days later, she sends me a picture going, got myself a kitty and the cat was in her bedroom. Amazing. Oh. And she said she woke up that morning and the cat was on our doorstep. No way. Right? And she was obsessed by cats as a child. Yeah. And Mistopheles was her favourite. And this cat's got exactly the same mask. And she called him Magical Mr. Mistopheles. And he is like that. He's just of another. And he's still coming back and forward. He comes in. I'm there. He doesn't look at me anymore because I haven't been at the house. He's really pissed off. But he comes and eats till he can barely fit through the cat flaps. He's been fed <laughs> somewhere else for sure. Yes. He's huge. And he's a greedy little effer. But um, yeah, but he's still around, Mistopheles. Oh, so yeah. funny. Well, good one. His, um... That's a really nice story. I love yeah, that story. Love story. Yeah. So Zoe, every episode of Talk Art, we ask our guests uh, two questions. Yes. Oh, yeah. One is, what is your favourite colour? Verdigris. What the hell is that? Verdigris? Verdigris, yeah. Verdigris. Verdigris, it's okay, so you're going to look out for verdigris now. So when yeah. you go out in the streets and you see like old churches and stuff, you know you see a green top on something? Oh, yeah. No. That's verdigris. What do you mean? Like green? on the top, like you know when you're at the top of a church, they used to make... Like, mean, like a metal colour. Yeah, spires or metal, yeah. anything metal. Yeah. Over time, the natural patination will go green if it's been bronze, brass or copper. Copper, yeah. So the weathering with sea air or just The oxidisation of it. Yeah, exactly. It creates this colour. Wow. And it's a really particular green that was used very much as a pigment up until the 19th century in sort of old Renaissance paintings. You see verdigris a lot, and they would have made it by acetic acid, putting it on copper plates. That's mm. how they got the pigment then. But it is a natural patination. I love it because it's alchemical. It happens. But is it? It must be a man-made color then, because it so comes now, from metal. It, it's, well, it's, it's nature it's, as well. Nature, it's nature. Nature it's creates it's it. Na yeah. Nature creates it because it's happening through the oxidization of yeah, metal. Or the, metal. But it wouldn't have been created if the human but, hadn't made the metal. Yeah, but but it's still it's a natural patination that happens only through sea air and and you know the environment. Right, but, but often metal, metal can come from the ground though, can't it? Metal's yeah, like a metal comes from the ground. Yeah, so metal's yeah, like well, a natural all, thing. So they're all. Yeah, it's been it's been cut up and controlled by a man, but it's but yeah, but it's not man-made. Yeah, it's, it's not yeah, man-made. It's a natural, okay. a natural okay. occurrence. But when it was made as a pigment, it was made through acetic acid being put onto copper plates. That's Amazing. how you got the pigment Amazing. to then be used. Wow. But it's an amazing green. So it's this brilliant green. Do you know I, mean, I think ever, I just have you ever seen some... that in fashion or? Um, in clothes, I mean, people. You, I mean, it's a colour now that it's obviously made up. You know, so you can get if you put verdigris, you'll get that colour. But mm. it's not necessarily the exact verdigris because it's so when it's from the metal, you really see it's like it's a really incredible colour. But you'll notice it now on you know on sort of buildings. And do you stop and when you see it, like take? I it love in? it. I love it. I love the colour. I think it's amazing. Wow. It's a really great colour. It's You're going to be really proud of me because I've got some garden lights in Margate um, for the garden that yeah. are that kind of effect. Oh, yeah, I think. yeah. So winning, I actually did that without even knowing. <laughs> You're incredible, Rob. It's, it's I an am, interesting colour. It's just uh, hanging out with Zoe so much, it's just rubbed off. It's made you want verdigris everywhere. Um, yeah, our second question is, if you had, had a uh, art heist, what your touchstone artwork that you could steal without getting in trouble and live with forever, what would that be? Any of Picasso's Harlequins. It would definitely oh. have to have one of those in the yeah. living room. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Are, are any of them in any collections in the UK that you know that people can go and see? Uh, no, I don't know of them being in any collections in the UK, actually. I'll do a bit of research and then maybe... Yeah. David Hockney did Harlequins as well, didn't he? 
Yeah, I'm sure I there's some he did, a he? younger like painter in his younger years yeah, when yeah, yeah. the circus really? ones were no, You know what? I think they were for an opera or, or a they ballet were down, or something. What's the opera Do you know, downstairs? weirdly, we had that as a poster when I was a kid at my house. My mum had the poster. I've got the poster. I've got the poster. Someone yeah, gave it to me. He's doing the cut. They're standing up. I've got the original poster that someone gave to me when I had my shop. My shop was called Harlequin in Brighton. And someone brought it into me because they knew I loved Harlequins. I've got the original poster. Yeah, it's fabulous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got the original poster. It's Glyndebourne Opera. Pro, is it that Glyndebourne? Yeah, maybe it was. Glyndebourne, yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, yeah. my mum loved Glyndebourne when I was growing up. Sussex, yeah. Ah. And um, in your in your flat, you actually live with so many great artworks. And you were the first person that told me about John Sheehy. Oh, I love John. Who Sheehy. then had a show yeah. at Studio, uh, Voltaire. Studio Voltaire? Yeah, and there's yeah. Much later, really, yeah. you got a few I've of got, his work. Quite a lot of his. Work. I remember yeah. you calling me fantastic. when you discovered him, and you were I so excited. Fantastic. He's a poet as well. He's amazing, and he he's just brilliant, you know. And he's come through the kind of. The, the shop that I found him through was the shop that supports people that have kind of mental health issues mm, mm. in the community mm. and they kind of harness, you know, their creativity through doing workshops and they make stuff for the shop and it's it's really amazing. It's called Outpost on the Holloway Road. That's great. And, that's how I, do, and I just think it's so brilliant. Oh. This guy has been just, again, a maker who wasn't looking to be discovered, he's just making work. Yeah. That's what he does. Yeah, yeah, I mean? yeah. He writes, he's an amazing, amazing guy. And um, I just had all the all the stuff framed actually I've got to go and pick it up I'm really looking forward to getting all that stuff on the wall I also really love that painting in your hallway by Lynette Yadam Boachi yeah yeah that's such a I had that for years before I put it up it's so crazy that I just painted it blue it's beautiful she does few paintings of women and it's a really beautiful because it's really dark and you just got to see the corner there's just a little streak of red it's beautiful I hope you've insured that now Russell's going to be so jealous of that that, actually I need to (laughs) Russell's going to be so jealous of that one because he's so obsessed with Lynette oh yeah no she's amazing the new show as well was Fantastic. And Toy and Oji Odatola, who's their friends, aren't they? And yeah. her work as well, which is very figurative. Well, yeah, we all had yeah. dinner with her. I did have dinner, point. but I met her oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. before. Okay. Yeah, yeah. She's lovely, yeah. Really, really good. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Nice. Some nice and Lynette's pieces. got a show coming up at the Tate that's just been announced. The Tate? Oh, Ma- May 2020. She's I got didn't a Tate know that. retrospective. Oh, my God. A retrospective, but yeah. she's so young. Yep. Yeah. More a mid-career survey. Yeah, exactly. I mean, or, 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 or in a, sorry, all right, sorry. Be a retrospective. She's like forty or thirty-five or something. Yeah. She's yeah, well, we just, David, David Strigley had a retrospective. I know, I know, I know. But I, yeah, I love Lynette. Oh my I God. know. That's, that's really yeah, so that's May amazing. May twenty twenty. That's great. Yeah, that's really exciting. exciting. Yeah, maybe your work could be loaned for it. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe you're going to get your own show at the Tate one day, because I think you will. Yes, Um, I do too. Well, everybody, we will be inviting Zoe back when she curates the show in Margate, because that is a whole other episode. And hopefully we can link up. And by then we can link up the whole Dodo Bird. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Zoe. Real what an pleasure, amazing guys. Chat. That was um, really nice, and I uh, hope you get some nice stuff out of it. You can edit out of it because I'm sure all of it is not I don't usable. Think, no, it's very I don't think. No, actually, I don't think we're going to have oh to edit. I, weirdly, the last few episodes we've done, we haven't had to edit at all because no. we're getting better at it. Um, we, can edit, really we, can, we can edit that guys, out. You can edit that <laughs> out. Yeah, but honestly, you guys really could have a show. Like, we I have mean, got a show. No, no, I know you've <laughs> got a show. But this is it. Where you're actually seen physically. Like, yeah, I, know, I don't watch you. I've had tele in 30 years, but. I would like to watch you on television. Oh, thank you. But when you first started, I was like, oh my God, the band is so professional. It's really (laughs) a real nice little, you know, thing going on, hinge and bracket. Uh, There we are, Hinge. Who's Hinge, who's the bracket? Let's not go there. (laughs) Um, So everybody listening, you can um, find images of all the artworks we've discussed today on At Talk Art. Oh, are you on Instagram? 
No. Okay, fine. We will be back. Well, I am. You know what? I am on Instagram. I mean, you can. I'm physically there, but I don't go on there very often. But no, you I, post I like go once a year. It. I post once a What's year. What's your Instagram name? I think it's at Zoe Bedeau, isn't it? My name. Yeah, all just hell. Anyway, we all hail Zoe Bedeau. We will be linking to that on our Instagram at TalkArt. Uh, thank you for listening. Thanks for listening, guys. We will guys. be back soon. Love you. Bye. bye. You've been listening to Talk Art with Robert Diamant and Russell Tovey. Follow us on Instagram at TalkArt, where you can view images of all artworks discussed in this episode. Recorded at Spiritland London by Anthony Shaw and edited by Gareth Isles. Subscribe to Talk Art on iTunes and Spotify. Give us a rating and write us a comment. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.